Ashish, thank you so much for joining. Uh, you know, I have to go on record to say this, and especially in this time when we are all reflecting about everything that, uh, you know, for the Indian ecosystem and the startup and entrepreneurial ecosystem, you are one entrepreneur whom we all would agree and say has built the business in the right way. And you are an entrepreneur who plays the long innings. And I was just revisiting the number that you started big uh, 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 tree entertainment in 1999 and, and launched book my show in 2007. Uh, you've done it the right way, built it the uh, in the right way and, and, and standing strong over the years uh, and, and, and huge respect. And then today to watch this, there are like thousands of people who have uh, gone live and, and, and we want to hear your candid best. Tell us what has this COVID time meant for your business uh, and then the space, the whole sector, because uh, from outside to all of us, it looks like that your the business you are in would be impacted the most. Well, I would be uh, foolish to uh, deny that, uh, that it is completely impacted. Uh, but look, we've seen this before. We've seen this twice before, once during the global financial crisis, but a lot of companies saw it at that time. By then, a lot of internet companies were, um, you know, already uh, born by 2006, 2007. So they had all seen that and it did not impact them that much because there was a lot of fundraising that had already just taken place. But as far as we are concerned, we saw the global, uh, we saw the dot-com bust, which was in 2001, 2002 when it hit India. And that was brutal. And that was brutal for us to have a memory bank that reminds us all the time that uh, this can come again and you've got to be conservative, build a business over a period of time and do it in a manner that uh, plays the long game. And so we were aware that things like that could completely uh, come again. Mm -hmm. And our memory bank served us right where we have now uh, looked at the lessons that we learned in 2001, 2002 and we've just sort of uh, revisited all the things that we've learned at that time and just implemented them. So this is going to be long. It's going to be hard. It's going to be deep. Um, and nobody knows the end of it, right? Nobody knows. And you've got to be reactive. And the same happened in 2001, 2002. Nobody had a clue. Uh, and uh, then it took a while for the markets to bounce back. But how are you, you know, so I had just recently spoken to Ajay Bijli and he said that, you know, intrinsically we are an out, we are outdoor people and he sees that uh, things will get back to normal and people will go out and entertainment as we know, watching movies, going to theaters and events, they will come back. But I want to ask you, and he also said that, you know, you don't know the time frame could be July one till the vaccine comes out. We don't know what it will be. But how are you seeing the space? You've been in this space for long. Look, um, I feel that um, you in good times, people forget the bad times and in bad times, people forget the good and uh, memories are very short. And so what tends to happen is that just like life, which is cyclical, just like the stock market, which is cyclical, just like businesses, life is cyclical. And there are good times and there are bad times. And you've got to remind yourselves of the days that will come back. So there is no question that humans are social animals and we are going to come back. When will you come back? In what form will you come back? What will be, will be the nature of that comeback? And those are questions that you need to answer. The social fabric as the way we knew it has been impacted dramatically. Uh, today, you go into an elevator and you're in a confined space and people don't know whether to shake hands, stay close, not stay close. I mean, you know, it's already playing tricks on you. 
Yeah. When you meet a friend, suppose you're exchanging something, you know, somebody's getting a beer for you, somebody's getting a box of mangoes, and there's a friend who's come and delivered it outside the gate or whatever, uh, you don't know whether to shake hands, give him a hug or not. And he could be or she could be your best friend. So I just feel that that social fabric in a very short period of time has got impacted. But will things come back for sure? In what nature will they come back and how soon? And what are the steps that you're going to take from now until then is going to be the key lessons or uh, the things that you want to implement. So, for example, I feel that one is, of course, the vaccine. But my view on this is you've got to learn to live with this virus. Uh, you have to build herd immunity. My sense is that millions of Indians have already probably got it. If and, and it's not our mortality rate, obviously, is low because of, you know, many reasons. It could be UV light, heat, BCG vaccine, malarial overlay. Uh, a lot of Indians, unfortunately, uh, are, are uh, very slim because of uh, lack of nutrition. And that probably helps them in this case, because once your BMI is below 28, then you, are, you have a better chance of fighting this. And so we're a young nation. So there could be many reasons for the mortality rate being down and obviously the lockdown. But the point is that until you don't build the herd immunity and start getting people out, uh, you're not going to be able to solve this problem. And obviously testing, contact tracing, uh, antigen-based testing, uh, antibody testing, and eventually finally helping the people who have underlying health issues and the, old, uh, the elderly is the key component of the strategy. But the vaccine, by the time it comes out and everybody is inoculated, it's going to be a while. So are you saying that until then you're not going to start any economic activity? That is, that is probably not possible. So my sense is if you saw some of the ticketing, I believe uh, Disneyland went on sale and it was sold out. So my sense is that the favorite pastime for Indians is movies and cricket. Things will come back to normal. They may surprise us where they may come back sooner than we think they will. But you will have to take some very stringent measures and life will change, whether it's washing hands, keeping a social distance, checkerboard seating, um, having more shows in cinemas to have lesser uh, density of seating and therefore killing your intermission and the rollover time of having alternate shows in screens so that they could be deep cleansed. There could be a whole host of things, which is temperature checks. There could be a ton of things that we're putting down for live events and as well as movies. But once people realize and recognize that they've got to live with it and they are feeling a little more confident to step out, where masks will be given for free, like you get glasses in cinemas when you go for 3D. And some of those measures will be taken, but people will eventually realize that you will have to live with it. And when you start living with it, the new normal will be the new normal and things that we do in place will try and put those checks and balances in place. But eventually, I think it's going to be long. It's to get back to the life as we knew it. Um, my sense is it's going to take another six to eight months, minimum. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ashish, tell us about Book My Show, right? In the last two months, it would have been very severely impacted. And, 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 and from what we were observing, anyways, you were diversifying uh, from just ticketing, movie ticketing, to a lot of things today, Book My Show stands for and does. Tell us if we could get a glimpse of your business, what's happening over there. See, the first thing is when uh, this pandemic hit, uh, I felt that um, uh, the first thing is that we realized that this is going to be long, it's going to be deep. And so we cut costs, right? And we had to. We had no option because, um, uh, you know, when you, when you, you can't be like ostriches with your head in the sand. Uh, you've got to be able to react nimbly and be quick and not have this 
vision that hey listen this is a great time where you know deals are cheap and this is going to go away and wish it's going to go away you've got to be able to react week on week month on month to things that are evolving because nobody has a playbook for this nobody was prepared as far as we are concerned we were always a company that helped people step out and whether you went to the movies or you went to a concert we became a concert promoter we built a production arm so we we knew that this um uh, we were always about stepping out and selling tickets and we diversified into concert promotion and live events uh, and doing a bunch of other things we always had a digital content strategy for people keeping people engaged and uh, you know because our business is a weekend business from friday to sunday uh, but you have a lot of people that you want to engage from monday to thursday as well and so we had a a core group which worked from monthly active users to daily active users to see how dows get impacted it's just that some of this we are now fast tracking and doubling down on so we're expanding our cat- categories of content not just sticking to certain things that we wanted for example we've launched the watch guide so what we've now done is if you go on to book my show you'll be able to see a, a beautiful product which across ott platforms tells you how to keep yourself entertained and it sends you reminders um uh, it's and and the beauty about that is it's based on our data platform on personalization so we know what sort of movies you watch what sort of concerts you've gone for and basis that we're giving you a watch guide which gives you recommended content across ott platforms to keep yourself entertained because we believe this is not the time to profit here everybody is hurting everybody is going through the pain we've had 20 years of love with consumers have actually paid us top dollars to keep themselves entertained uncomplainingly this is that one time we want to give back during this period because everybody is impacted nobody has any work no business and you are even if you could make the 50 bucks we don't want to do that we are saying listen let's not charge the consumers but having said that we are seeing some green shoots of revenue coming through through sponsors and partners where the digital content that we put out on the fifth day of the lockdown i believe book my show went digital our engagement parameters on the digital side are given the period are astounding we've got tens of millions of uh, uh, consumers that still come to the platform and out of that millions have already engaged with us on the digital content that we put out there it's free you can register you get a reminder you see it on a pla- uh, other platforms and uh, but but people are coming registering uh, and we've seen concurrent streams of shows that we've put up where we've had live from hq where we had veer das and we had uh, pratik kuhar and indian ocean perform from their homes and we had 15000 20000 concurrent users on the platform watching that concert live um uh, we've had uh, the stay fit india this third version of this challenge where we've put out celebrities who are doing uh, uh, workshops Uh, so there's a ton of content that we are constantly putting out there then our content piece around movies and entertainment the watch guide so we are trying a bunch of things to try and stay nimble uh, put things out there see what works what doesn't work there are green shoots of revenue which are great experiments to know what the future holds for us uh, but it would be foolhardy to say that things would change in the current set of business so for that the only thing that you can do is cut costs cut your fixed costs look at all the unnecessary expenditures put your head down uh, stay nimble stay humble and then uh, lead by example so for example the founders and the leadership team now has taken a 50% cut to say that look we will we will do what it needs and what it takes because while the going was good we were all you know happy and things were fine but now it's all to rally around and do the right things so um, look this is temporary 
and I am I haven't lost a day of sleep. Uh, I keep the schedule going from Monday to Friday. Uh, work is on on Zoom. We fast tracked a lot of product builds, a lot of innovation. We're going through a consulting project to future proof the business, which we've already zeroed down on where we see the new lines of revenues coming from 2023, 2024, and what should the contribution be. So those theses are already out there. Whether we go out to prove them or no is, is up to us now. So we're working harder than we ever did. It's just that it's a new way of working and we're working on different things. Yeah, that's why I'm having this conversation with you because I'm, I was sure you'll be very busy <laughs> defining now and defining the future. And here I want to, Ashish, ask you because somewhere I see Book My Show as such a phenomenal brand. Uh, I want to bring in the role of OTTs because OTTs have become so big and especially this time is showing the consumption there is growing. India is consuming a lot of content over there. How do you see that as a medium? How do you see OTTs growing? And 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 last question I want to bring in is, you know, the, uh, uh, the Multiplex Association of India had challenged, you know, had requested, not challenged, had requested uh, OTTs uh, that, you know, they should delay the release of movies because some of the producers are looking at uh, uh, releasing movies on OTTs. How, so one, how do you look at this space? How do you think from a standpoint of book my show? How do you find that space? And third is this whole uh, multiplexes and OTTs. Do you see the shift towards OTTs from multiplexes? So firstly, you spoke about cash reserves. So book my show, uh, we've always had a very clear strategy, raise capital when you don't need it. So yeah. we're sitting on a ton of cash as well. And today, anybody who's liquid and has cash uh, can experiment, uh, innovate, think about mergers and acquisitions, can think about acqui-hires, can think about slum sales and innovate. Because if at the back of your head, you've always got this fear and you're looking over your shoulder that I don't have cash, I have two months to live, I have three months to live. There is no way your mind will be able to do anything or you'll be able to implement or put together any strategies in terms of implementation of what you've thought of. So cash is king. And luckily, we've always raised money when we didn't need to. We were very conservative on calling ourselves, hey, you're a unicorn. How much money? What's your valuation? What's your top line? Uh, what's your TPV? All that BS that everybody keeps talking about, right? TPV, what's your CAC over LTV? How much have you? Uh, what's your, oh, those are all vanity metrics. At the end of the day, how much is the cash in the bank? How much profit do you make? How low is your cost and how conservative is your cash burn? Today, suddenly this pandemic, everybody moves like herds and now that is the buzzword. I mean, that's 101 of business. That's 101 principles of life. I mean, why would you run a business you're going to keep losing? But of course, then you've got to have some vanity metrics for some guy sitting in a black hole somewhere as, as an investor. You've got to go and show the guy that these are my metrics because you don't have real metrics. Now you want to show these metrics. So anyways, today... Everybody says, oh, you guys are the poster boys because you've done something right. We just did what we do all the time, every time of our lives. And, and these are the times that, as Warren Buffett says, you know who's skinny dipping when the tide pulls back. And so we have the cash reserve to be able to confidently speak the way we are today. Um, coming back to the business, look, I feel that, let's go back to basics. India is a hot, humid harsh country outside. We've got very harsh, uh, a very harsh environment with honking, um, you know, traffic on the streets. Uh, there's, there's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, the weather is really harsh. Either it's raining or it's very hot. So we tend to be an indoors nation. 
right? And therefore, cinemas always sold themselves and prided themselves in saying that it's 70 mm Rageshwari air conditioned cinema. The the USP was that it was air conditioned, right? Yeah. And therefore, people stayed indoors. We are the a country with the highest amount of sunshine, with the highest number of vitamin D deficient people on earth. That's because we don't like going out in the sun. We like being in air conditioned environments. If this was LA or this was in any other part of the world, you'll be alfresco dining outside. I'm going to drink. You can't, or, you know, have a coffee outside alfresco. It's honking. It's this, the, 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 the environment is very harsh. Unlike Bangalore where it's, uh, but then pollution comes in, right? In Delhi and Bangalore. So there are always factors. So we're an indoor nation. If you look at Canada, you look at other countries, people like to be indoors to see ice hockey. There are arenas when it's extremely cold out there. So, we like indoor entertainment. That's, that's a given. Having said that, I feel that movies is a big part of our generational, um, uh, you know, relay, as I call it. In the US or any other part of the world, there's Friday night football. Grandparents take their sons who take their children and they go and watch Friday night football. If you, um, uh, David Goldberg, who works for us in the US, in summer uh, last year, to his 12-year-old son, took him for eight music festival concerts as a summer vacation gift, where they flew all over the country. Tell me which parent does that in India, right? Where you go, it's, it's a part of your DNA, it's a part of a culture. What is a part of our culture? My father took me to the movies. I take my son to the movies. Uh, his, my father's father took him to the movies. And this is what they did, right? They went to the movies. And today, birthday parties are celebrated in movies. You know, I want to watch... Uh, uh, I want to eat popcorn. That's a thing to do. You know, I'm missing popcorn. So I feel that it's, it's a social fabric and a generational thing. So while OTT is important, it's also important to scratch below the surface to see the scale of the OTT. There's a lot of noise. Look at the number of paying customers. There are platforms with 60 to 70 million paying uh, customers. How many of them are paying? Today, all of us are watching some of the international OTT guys. And that's what I do, right? From 10, 30, 11 in the night. How many of us have smart TVs? How many of us have boxes, internet connection, and then watch that? The number is between 1.5 to 2 million people. And that too, um, there's a price point issue, right? And that's why there were a low price. So I am saying OTT with live entertainment and live events, as well as going to the movies will coexist. It's not going to be one against the other. They will coexist. We have a social fabric to go out with people. We have smaller homes in India. We have more cramped environments. In Southeast Asia, people don't cook meals at home. They have very small kitchens because they eat out of a bag. In India, we like to step out and that will continue to happen. What velocity, what change, what will the demographic, the younger demographic, will they take to it? Will they? I only feel that it's a generational thing which you hand over from generation to generation. So my sense is that I'm pretty confident that memories are short. When the attacks happened in Bombay, when the attacks happened on the planes, people went back to those same hotels, people stayed in hotels. So I'm saying while this is long, deep, and we don't know the depth of it, memories are also short. Having said that, finally, I also believe that all businesses must diversify. While there is premium to be a monoline business, but if you are going to do that spray and pray strategy, you know, there's this classical thing, hey, I want to be in every place, everywhere. Why do you want to be everywhere? Well, I've got a set of customers. I'm going to get the customers for one reason, but I'm going to use that as a flywheel. These are great words, you know, which we hear here in our VC investing, you know, it's a flywheel to build another business. What am I doing? I'm doing customer acquisition. It's a part of that. So you window dress by taking marketing dollars and say it's a part of, you know, it's not going to last. If you think in India for the first 10 years of my career, when I started book my show in 99, 
for the first in the 2000s, I heard India is going the America way. Suddenly in the last 10 years, you know, I heard from 2010 to 2020, all I've heard is India is going the China way. Are bhai, India is going to go the India way. There's no US way and China way. India is going to go the India way. The faster you wake up to that reality, there are enough skeletons. People forget businesses, online businesses, because one fine day they disappear. There were social platforms, e-commerce platforms. Please go and look at your own data to see how many guys have disappeared. You know, and then you will realize that you can't be, there is a premium to be a monoline business. There is also a premium to diversify and, you know, ensure that your business has revenues coming from other places and you do it in a sensible manner. But if you think, oh, listen, I'm going to be in 20 businesses. I'm going to be this platform play. Well, good luck to you. Let's see how it works in China. Please understand there was a Chinese wall. There were ring fences. It was protectionism. Today, there is no YouTube in China. There is no Facebook in China. There's no WhatsApp in China. There is no payment allowed in China. It's all closed. And then if you give a free run for 20 years and say, listen, these are companies which have this. I mean, is that in India? The Japanese I heard, the Chinese I heard, the Americans I heard, the Indians. Are, it's an open economy. You've got to be able to do what's right for your customers, for your business and compete at a level playing field. Yeah, but uh, again, just you see OTT growing in India. Do you see value in that space? Because they are for sure. Yeah. I mean, please understand India. I and I can be politically incorrect. Look, there are three Indias. We can keep saying, and with this whole migrant labor and the lockdown, it's come more to the fore. And I'm glad it is. Like how the Me Too movement got it up. It always existed. I think this is what it's done, right? And brought it as a conversation point. You've got to understand that. We talk about India from a foreigner's point of view. Oh, we are many states with different food, different culture, different languages. Yeah, we grew up here. We always knew that. That's a foreigner's view of India. The India that we live in is three Indias, the United Kingdom of India, the top 100 million people like you and me and probably your listeners, which is we go to English schools, we go to private schools, we have private healthcare. We are at home right now. And what we are more bothered about is uh, you know, is nature's basket open? You know, today the Alfonso mangoes delivery has not come. Oh, raw pressery has stopped doing that. Is there pasta? Where can I get my sauce? You know, Amazon is not delivering this. I think there are a lot of uh, questions that the United Kingdom of India asks, which are very different from what the Brazil of India asks, yeah. which is the 400 million Indians, which today are struggling. And they are your emerging middle class, right? They are the ones who now have data connectivity. They have content. They're watching content online, which is OTT platforms. They may not be paying for it, but they're watching, right? Well, somebody put out that Ramayana or Mahabharata is the you know, biggest yeah. watched uh, program globally. And everybody's yeah. talking about Game of Thrones. So if you look at that, that's the Brazil of India. Who is the emerging middle class? And every few years, you know, 20, 30 million of these guys will go into the United Kingdom of India. And the first thing they want to do is better education, better healthcare, and, and for their own children, for the next generation. And the marginalized society of India, I call it the Africa of India. That's why I said it's politically incorrect. But it's, it's sad to see that the 100 million aren't doing enough for the Africa of India, the United Kingdom of India. You don't need to take from the rich or to a rich country to serve the poor, a poor country. This is within your own country, within your own area, where you are living in expensive homes and there's a slum right next to you. You can create impact within your one kilometer radius. You don't have to go cross border. And I think if you start defining United Kingdom of India, the Brazil of India and the Africa of India, you will start to serve your communities better. What is Book My Show doing? So what we did was we have a charity fund called Book a Smile. 
And you're aware of that, right? We have yeah. the one, 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 one rupee. And what we do is we take that money and we put it to causes around music, art, uh, theater, um, and to help kids, right? Elevate their their uh, cultural the sort of uh, nuances or, or things that we can help with. With BMC schools, we put music programs. We took a 20% uh, budget out of that and we have now implemented it against COVID-related causes. So whether it was hazmat suits, whether it was PPE, frontline worker help, uh, what we did with uh, uh, feeding daily wage workers. So the Book My Show cafeteria, we have 100,000 office in, in Bombay, our headquarters. The sixth floor is our cafeteria. For the last 30 days, every morning, we are cooking 1,000 meals in breakfast and serving frontline workers, which is the hospital, the BMC staff workers in our area, which is Andheri Vilaparle, that area in Juhu and the police chalkies. So they didn't want lunch, but they wanted breakfast. So we are being helpful to our community and we've served close to 29 or 30,000 meals where 1,000 meals are cooked in our cafeteria with our cooks, with our security staff, and then they get dispatched, which is a healthy balanced meal with a fruit every morning. Then we've allocated 20% budget from Book a Smile into COVID cases. On top of that, people have voluntarily, in, in spite of the situation, put in money where they've donated to certain charities. And, and then to be helpful, what we've done with the community is with BMC, we started our helpline. So our customer care NPS is one of the highest in the country. So we said, how can we help be helpful to a city which is getting slammed? So today, when you call 1916, which is the BMC helpline, and you go to the uh, extension four, it actually lands on Book My Show. And we are serving a thousand calls for giving information to the citizens of Bombay to say, what is it that you can do and the information dissemination in partnership with the Bombay Municipal Corporation. And on top of that, to get health workers from green zones, ventilator operators, ICU operators, uh, dialysis machine operators, nurses, frontline. There are a lot of green zones in Maharashtra while uh, Bombay is a containment and a red zone. We have uh, started an entire uh, 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 bot and information where we put it up on Book My Show and we've got more than 5,000 respondents in three days who are healthcare workers who are willing to move from green zones into the red zone and come to Bombay. So that's how we're being helpful, right? And so it's very, very important as we discuss and this discourse around uh, valuations, how are you protecting your company and how much money are you saving? How much money are you making? How are you diversifying? There's also a discourse and a dialogue on how are you being helpful to your community? Yeah, yeah. How are you reacting in times like these to stand up and be counted? Yeah. And then the other stakeholder, and my last piece on that is the other stakeholder are employees. It is also a responsibility. And how do you see yourself as a, a responsible organization? So what we did was we, we've created a, a, a human chain. So 1,600 employees of Book My Show across seven countries. We're in Singapore, we're in Malaysia, we're in Dubai, we're in Indonesia, we're in India, Sri Lanka, and in other cities in India. We have a human chain where everybody is divided. We have 115 groups with an administrator. Every morning at 10 a.m. in the morning and 10 p.m. in the evening, we check on each other. That is everybody okay? Are you okay? Are you mentally fine? We're running uh, uh, physical fitness classes thrice a week on our internal platform where people log in and they keep themselves physically free. We have signed up for free people to upskill themselves and do courses for free. So, and then, you know, it's important to have all your stakeholders. You, you have a response, fiduciary responsibility to your consumers, to your uh, shareholders and to your employees and the community at large. And these are your four pillars. If you can keep all of them and create a bouquet where you are sustainable, as well as doing the right thing for all these four pillars, then 
I mean, that's the only thing that you can keep yourself busy with in times like these. Yeah, you know, uh, Ashish, I'm just saying, and on behalf of everyone who's watching and who will watch this, uh, and myself, you know, that's why we have so much of respect for you, right? Like, yeah, because I, I've, it's not at this time. I think there is this, there is a purpose which also comes across in whatever you've been doing, and and uh, and and yeah, you are the right role model because I've never seen you talk about valuations and all that. Of course, those th- you are building a very large and meaningful business, but these are also equally important for you. And 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 yeah, but so uh, you know. But coming back, I also want to ask you: You have seen the two thousand one bust. You have seen, though India did not feel so much, but you've seen two thousand eight also. Bombay, Mumbai felt that two thousand eight uh, compared to the rest of India. And now you're seeing this. You have so many experiences of seeing the downturns and the low times. Uh, what were some of your learnings? And if you had to go back, as you said, to your memory bank and tell all the entrepreneurs, how did you, because I think you're a long inning player, uh, long innings player. So how have you, what have you learned? And, and, and what are some of the things that you practiced and are practicing now to grow? See, the, the first thing, Shraddha, is to remind yourselves that life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. A lot of entrepreneurs, when they start a business, they start thinking about themselves and investors. The day they launch a business, they think about an exit. My valuation, how much money will I make? Did you start a business for the passion and the dream or a problem that you wanted to solve for? Then why aren't you completing it to its logical end? Rather than saying, hey, listen, you know what? How can I cash out? How much money can I make? You start thinking, oh, I've, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I love words like that. I mean, it's like almost like saying I'm a serial killer. There's no badge of honor there. Build a business within that, find things to do and farm out new things. If you want to, you know, seriously be involved in other things, be an angel investor, help other entrepreneurs succeed in their dream and pay it forward and along the way, make money and and be successful. So I think I have very clear principles around that. If you're committing yourself, then commit yourself, right? Some of the biggest organizations globally and in India weren't built overnight and they were built by entrepreneurs committing themselves to the long course. So be uh, uh, be a marathon runner. That's number one. Number two, don't get impacted by things which externally don't matter, right? The environment will keep changing. Don't lose sleep over it. You can only focus on the quality of your input. You know, it's too hot out there. Don't complain. Have a beer, have a cold drink. If it's too cold out there, have a whiskey, have a, have, have a coffee. I mean, how can you complain about the environment in which you can't, you're not in control of? So, so continue to stay the course, focus on the quality of, in, of your input. The, the third thing is stay in the money, stay in the money, not by just raising capital, do commercial deals, do sensible deals, try and make a profit, try and reduce your burn, uh, you know, focus on your EBIT and your bottom line. And of course, there is, there are growth engines and you've got to be able to scale to the new heights and reinvest that capital in newer businesses. But just by saying, hey, listen, I'm going to get some, some flywheel and I'm going to use this data. There's this whole conversation around, I'm going to get this data and I'm going to do things around it. How are you going to make money on that data? You know, and so it's very important to ask the right questions and constantly challenge yourself. Surround yourselves with people that make you happy, investors that support your vision and, you know, are, are, are like-minded. And you can raise a ton of cash from a ton of people, but it's about uh, that magic that comes together when you find the right people, just like you find the right team. And, and so when you're building your business, I also remind ourselves that, you know, things are temporary, memories are short, but if you're right by your consumer and you are fair to your consumer and you're right by your consumer, they will never disappoint you. They will always come back. 
And it's about these tenets and principles that are very, very simple. They are almost simplistic, right, in nature. And if you have those, how do you innovate? So we are utilizing this time to innovate, innovate, and innovate. You know, you hide behind a lot of business as usual. Right now, there's no business as usual. And so the teams are working doubly hard, 14, 16 hour days. They're working Saturdays and Sundays. And we are all on, on, on uh, video chats and calls. And to make sure that everybody's morale is high and we're constantly delivering stuff. And so when we're out of the gate, when we're out of the pandemic, we want to be the first out of the gate. We want to be the stronger one. And unfortunately, the stronger will get stronger and the weaker will get weaker. And it's our responsibility to pull those guys up who are weaker. And in the sense that there could be great businesses out there who you know will fail due to lack of capital or lack of strategy or they couldn't survive. It's up to you to pull them up, lend a hel helping hand, fold them in, invest some money in them, see them succeed over a period of time. Then along the way, you create value for yourself and they make money for you. Great. But it's also your responsibility to pull them up. I think these are things that are very, very important to remind yourself that life is a marathon and it's about consistency. It's about how you personally take time off on Saturdays and Sundays. It's about how you take time four or five times a year. What interests do you have outside of your work? Like I race boats. I sail every weekend. I've been doing that for 20 years. It's a passion for me. And therefore, when you have a balanced life in terms of your work, life, family, personal goals and development, and you impart and imbibe that in your organization, and you do that with your teams as well, then you're building a winning team over a long period of time and a winning culture, so to speak. But if you never pride yourself with saying, okay, I'm going to do this lockdown in the company and we are going to do these sprint cycles and burn everybody out, everybody has, not everybody has that same stamina. Yeah. You know, Ashish, I can keep on hearing you. <laughs> like, uh, coming to this, you know, many people have asked, so I'm going to, I've put, oh, I've yeah. clubbed it all together. Sure. Uh, for you, you know, you've been in this business since 1999 and you've seen the curve, the growth and you're talking India is India, India is not China or US, which is true. And if from that lens, if you look at uh, the space, what do you think? And, 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 and I've clubbed it all together. What do you think of esports? What do you think of gaming? Because we're seeing a lot of investments also happening in gaming business content, uh, you know, and players like TikTok and opportunities like that, because you look at the Hindi market, uh, then everyone is saying, and then you saw in the last one or two years, it has become like the hot uh, uh, space and overall in entertainment, the opportunities. So, so how are you looking at all these Basically. So let's start with uh, e-gaming. Look, gaming yeah. is here to stay. There is mm -hmm. no question. The younger demographic of India, at least urban India, the top 100 million, right, um, are taking to gaming quite a lot. They may not be on console gaming, which is uh, Playstations and Vs because they are very expensive. India's purchasing power is still not as high at scale. So your top 10 million can probably afford it, but the rest of the country can't. And also you've got to recognize in the US and other markets where you're talking about this, they have multi-screens at home. They have four televisions, five televisions. One can be dedicated to gaming while the parent is watching something else. In India, many homes have one screen where the yeah. daddy wants to watch Ramayan, but the father wants to watch news and the kid will come into gaming. He'll get a slap and say, Bhagoyas. You know, so you've got to be able to put it in context. But gaming on the personal device is going to pick up and therefore it's going to farm to the Brazil of India a lot of casual gaming. Right, you know, a little bit of games, put a little bit of money because betting in India is, is not legal and therefore this becomes a quasi to do with bitcoins or cash or, you know, other things. So I think gaming in India will is here to stay for the younger demographic. It's only going to get bigger. 
in what form and shape it takes, we'll have to observe and watch. But if you were to say, listen, I'm going to double down and spend a ton of cash to do this. I have seen through people that have done, uh, uh, you know, uh, live gaming and events have lost a ton of money. And so the, a lot of the money is coming from uh, mobile players and, uh, and uh, chipset manufacturers and console manufacturers. And therefore, it saves the day because there's a lot of sponsorship money. So it's really become a sponsorship play. It's almost like saying, I'll put up an exhibition, but I have sponsorships yeah. for that. I've not seen it at scale yet, but it will grow, it'll build. And you've got to be able to react over a period of time. But casual gaming on mobile, on devices, is here to say, we're a waiting country. Please understand, you wait in a milkman, you wait in a train, you wait in a line for a bus, you sit in a bus, you take two hours to reach what takes you 15 minutes. We are a waiting country and we are okay to wait. Plumber So you are a waiting country and we haven't gotten out of that. So when you wait, you engage and when you engage, you play something, right? So you're always in a train, you're always in a bus, you're always, you know, in, a, in an Uber or an Ola and you're one and a half hour away. So we're a waiting country. And so there's something to do at any given point of time. You may use social networks like Instagram, TikTok. Why are people watching? Because there is a lot of waiting time. Anywhere else in the world, if you reach in 15 minutes, you've got a big screen at home. You have other ways to engage and entertain yourself. Here you're confined to a space. You're confined in a place. You're watching this and you're constantly doing that. So I think it's, it's here to stay. Now, since you spoke about TikTok, I've seen the rise it's regional, it's addressed a market which other social platforms did not, right? Um, I think WhatsApp's penetration is about 350, 400 million. The more they regionalize, it's, it's a platform where it's got a very, very high, uh, uh, you know, critical mass. And so if they regionalize, they do a lot of other things which they are planning to now. And they've also been reacting quickly now. The new app allows you to do eight calls concurrently, video calls. It will be a tough competitor to crack. However, with things like TikTok, which has taken to middle India, where, you know, there's a lot of content and, and, and what they do intelligently is that they brand that video with TikTok. So it's always constantly there. It's, that, it's like those ads which have the logo constantly there. Having said that, I think the key will be on how is it going to be monetized. I think WhatsApp with the Facebook platform has figured it out because they're in the data business. They monetize one way or the other to augment or uh, give you bursts or posts which... Uh, which, which further a business and they're going to be launching or already are in the pipeline of launching payments and a lot of other things, right? It'll be interesting to see how TikTok monetizes. So while the scale is there, people are engaging this. Again, the metrics are there on monthly active users, how many downloads, how many people, all of it is there. It'll be interesting to see that quantum leap on terms of how are they going to monetize that. And that's uh, something which will be interesting. We've had a lot of social platforms in the past. I don't know if people remember MySpace and Orkut. <laughs> Nobody uses them today, right? And I think there were platforms and there will always be platforms. But the guys that will survive will need survivability through, through monetization. And so if they can monetize, they will be here to stay and stick. If they don't, it could be a fad which could last six months or six years, eventually will disappear. That's my view. But if you look at, you look at, because you've seen, you've been, you've actually shaped to a large extent the entertainment and a lot of the way India consumes digital or uses digital. I would say if you had to say, hey, these are a few exciting things for me or from my lens, uh, areas which have monetizing opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think, um, I think digital radio is, is, is here to stay. Uh, because we never penetrated through FM. FM, because of the licensing, 
anywhere else in the world you have college radio you have multi stations in every city and it's a very local flavor it's like you know spirit comes from the source wine comes from the region and beer is hyper local fm is like the beer right and your uh, television and newspapers are different so fm usually anywhere else in the world is hyper local and i think digital has the means to fill that gap um, and 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 be very personalized based on your regional local uh, your um, uh, data science around uh, uh, your your uh, personalization and then and read all your id tags and then and give you um, uh, uh, when you skip or increase the volume yeah. of a song they're tracking that as well to say oh these are the kind of songs that you like so i think that's one big area on digital consumption the other is snackable content which is what you're seeing on tiktok and forwards and right now the world sitting with this pandemic at home has no other business to do uh, it's 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 just on social platforms and you're seeing that same information swirling around right so there's an information overload once people go back to normal some of this will sort of start dying down having said that television big screen smart tvs boxes coming will be a slow um will be a, will be a linear but a very slow progression because there's a lot of capital expenditure but it's very interesting to see what will happen with the 400 million of india i would observe that because today with um mobile operators like jio where the cost of data is so low the penetration suddenly they've added capacity they've they've tripled or quadrupled india's capacity which didn't exist i mean what they've done is short of revolutionary right in terms of getting data to people you look at a watchman you look at a driver today he's constantly watching a full fledged feature film or he's watching series on that it's not the same experience but they are watching that it's interesting to see how that will get monetized over a period of time so i think for people in the 400 million and the 700 million of india and the younger demographic uh getting on to newer platforms is going to be whether it comes through gaming or snackable content or long form content is going to be the order of the day it is and for those ultimate experiences they will want to step out and it's how you play in the regionalization how you play in music what do you do for uh e sports what do you do for regular sports um and 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 those would be incumbent on companies like us to make sure that you're ahead of the curve yeah you see disposable incomes will go up people will want more experiences and this you've seen traditionally globally yeah uh, even in in spite of the advent of large format screens uh, digital penetration large format um, uh, gaming console gaming globally anywhere else in the world in the western world the live events business in the last 3 years hasn't had it better because yeah. people have wanted to see those experiences and digital almost supports some of that before and after yeah yeah you know ashish now i'm going to ask you i don't know if it is professional or personal but the question is that i want to get inside your mind and understand you know your decision making and how you have you know over the years run your business because one of the things i have not seen you talk or you know talk or celebrate is all these valuations you are a unicorn if we may say it. so uh, and and you have built a very large uh, not only indian but global business you are and book my show is a brand more importantly it's like you know it's a brand that you like that stays people know uh, i want to but the thing that stands out and which is not part of our conversation and maybe you also not encourage that conversation is you know you built i feel from whatever i have observed that you built the business in the very very right way a little old fashioned way right way uh, not uh, uh, you know flashed your numbers or, or stuff like that tell us 
this whole process where you build it because today for me you are a person 1999 to now 2020 standing being there doing good for the society also how have you built a unicorn which is like the lexicon today and also in the right way what do you think what goes in your mind when you take decisions when you think of numbers when you think of money and and please share because we all will learn yeah so look money is a by product of your success and if you start focusing and look i'm a student of vedanta and i uh, adi kalyani wala is my my vedanta mentor we run classes in office and it comes from those one on one principles of living i, I mean i'm saying look I, I, i'm no saint but the point is that and far from it the point is that it's very important to realize that what are the metrics and remind yourself every day what is a valuation number or a metric going to get you at the end of the day it's a vanity metric i mean honestly what is it going to get you the the point i'm trying to make is whatever your valuation is is a by product of the things that you put in the valuation in a lot of cases is artificial because the next investor needs to invest the money the first guy that puts in it's his business to push the guy push entrepreneurs and that's why i said at the head of the conversation that you need your right investors and people who you can trust and build a bond with over a period of time money is freely available today there's a lot of angel investment there's series a series b in in our time these one you know are even words that we had heard of and today you have growth capital and capital when they need to put money they call it some other color and some other name but it's still money at the end of the day but you have to realize how much you're diluting and the more more companies die out of indigestion than starvation bookmyshow did a very big commercial transaction worth hundreds of crores and i'm telling you hundreds of crores and it was announced a while back without giving a zero percentage of equity it was a commercial transaction which was symbiotic and it was a strong powerful out long reaching five year transaction why are more and more companies not thinking about doing dhanda like dhanda should be done think about what your value systems are think about what value you bring and what is the value that you can give somebody else and do a transaction why is every conversation about diluting your equity i mean i don't understand that right and because it's the easiest part equity is the most expensive way of fundraising if you think your business is strong you think your fundamentals are strong why don't you take debt and service the debt up to a point right don't be very debt ridden if you think that you can do 30 40 50 percent returns and debt is coming to your date point 75 have the guts to go and do it yeah but nahi hai na guts aapke paas because aapka revenue to khokla hai andar aapka metrics khokle so then you are scared even to borrow money at 8.75 so i am saying if you are really confident then you should be able to do that so the point is focus on the metrics constantly and not bother about the valuation because it will come it is it's a scorecard if you are bothered about getting 90% in math but not going to get the right books study with the right tutor do the right things and then not focus on the quality of the input then by going to god and praying one day before your exam you are going to get 90 You yeah, and you, were you always thinking like that? No, no, I won't have to ask you. Has were you when you started in 1999, or let's just say maybe let's say 2007? Were you always like this? Were you always clear in this, or did it come with time? No, it came with time. Look, it certainly came with time, but we were early to catch on and latch on to things which we discovered and we felt were right, and never got swayed. Hmm. not getting swayed is more important and surrounding yourself with the right people today the leadership team at bookmyshow if you come into our organization some people may call it old world but i call it sensible some of the best companies globally 
you come, we have disruptive 25, 25, 27 year old engineers, young business development people, you know, full of passion um, uh, and, 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 and raw energy. But you've got people in our company who are 62, who are people who are 55. I'm 46 myself. So we have this gray head experience layer in the company versus this um, this collision that happens with these young people, but everybody is respected and at par. First name basis, open uh, culture and open uh, door policy. Everybody's collaborating. There is no sir and you know that sort of disruption. Because if you just surround yourselves with young people and you don't have this experience today of knowing when things like that hit you, what is that experience that you can dig deep into, which you can advise and mentor the young and where is that raw passion and energy of theirs, which tells them, let's move in this direction. You know, I'll build it for you in five days. Yeah. And then you harness that energy in the right direction. So I think companies need to wake up to that reality that it, you need a broad spectrum of quality talent and surround yourselves with a quality team and remind yourself every day about things which are, uh, you know, the, the metrics of the business. Why are you doing what you're doing? How are you going to do it? You have to be aggressive. We've done probably the maximum number of MAs or acquisitions in the last six months. We've done over five or six unannounced. We've not even told anybody. Done pipeline over with. You don't want to tom tom about it. Call the press. You know, have some uh, vanity metric. It's the stupidest thing to do is to tell your com competitors about what your next strategy is by going to uh, the press. Why do you even do that? Right. And you, you've got to do some things which are only very private to you and your organization. And over a period of time, the thesis will tell whether your decisions were right or wrong. Yeah. 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 Uh, Ashish, uh, for all the young people and entrepreneurs, non-entrepreneurs, everyone, right? Uh, what has, you know, because, and, and I have asked this to everyone is what has money meant for you? And I also want to, sorry, ask another personal question, if I may. Did you come from a family of money? So did you come from United Kingdom? of in, uh, look, Kingdom? look, all of us on this probably call come from United Kingdom because that in itself is, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs today have this badge saying, I come from a small town and I come from a chota town. And it's a, it's a story. It's an art of storytelling to investors. Great. Good on you. You must be a salesman all your life. But yeah, even if you came from a small town, but you spoke in English, went to a university, you had medical healthcare, you're United Kingdom. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's not kid ourselves about that. So the point is that all of us came from United Kingdom of India. Um, and that Brazil of India and Africa of India for somebody to catapult and come is, is a very, very hard, tough yeah. climb. And it's up to us to make sure that we do that. Yeah. And, um, and within our organization in our own little way, we do that. And we have tons of stories around that. But yeah. the point is, we all came from that sort of thing. So my look, my background is my parents are immigrate, immigrants. Uh, we are landless people in our own country, West Indies. My parents came from Pakistan. Uh, they were born there, uh, which was India. And they came at the age of seven. They came as refugees. You know, people talk about the Jews and living in refugee camps. or so people talk about Syria and Jordan. We never told our story well. In India, we never end up telling your story well. My father lived in a refugee camp for 10 years in Delhi. Nobody lives in a refugee camp for 10 years. Today, you're yeah. talking about the Jordanian and Syrian crisis, which is uh, X number of months, X number of years, 10 years, right? And they lo lost all their belongings, their wealth. They put gold in their home thinking they'll come back in a week. 
they've never gone back to their homeland right so it was a very tough period yeah. from there he self educated himself in banaras university then went to gorakhpur started a business so i come from my parents come from up my mother was a school teacher in kanpur so i can carry the same badge i came from small india i came from you know mid india and we came from the hindi heartland we all bs right you but at the end of the day i was born in a privileged home because i was born in bombay i went for piano lessons i went for speech and drama classes i had my own cycle i went to an english school i had public health care i had you know all of us bland black and white tvs or no tvs we all had only chaya geet and the sunday tv to watch it took 15 years to get own your own telephone and you had to wait uh, 10 years to get a bajaj bike or a premier padmini we've all been through that but we yeah. were all at the same level like we are dealing with this pandemic so i was no different than anybody else so i had a privileged life to say in that sense and i grew up in 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 bombay but from there when i finished my mba then i worked for uh, j walter thompson and i discovered that there was a world out there and i could solve this problem which hadn't been solved and those were the early days of uh, investing in india or or taking a bet on on putting money behind uh, a 24 year old kid to say that you know you'll go and build a business so i had the luxury of making those mistakes learning and discovering over a long 10 year period where web 2.0 really came into being in 2008 2012 you know that period so we had the luxury of getting beat up and learning along the way to be able to implement some of those to be fair to some of the entrepreneurs you may not have that luxury today because when you start a business and you are not nimble quick fast to scale or react there are 10 other jokers willing to invest 20 other jokers right and and eat your lunch uh, and and so while you may have thought of something and you want to scale it up and build it you may not have the luxury because somebody else has thrown capital and saying uska khana khao idea nahi hai aapke paas vision nahi hai but because that guy started is and throwing capital now you go kill him so i think and 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 i think uh, there's a lot of that happening today and yeah. so therefore some entrepreneurs unfortunately don't have the luxury to be able to have mentors which can guide them or become a part of another platform or do partnerships and globally you will see that strategic partnerships are long long term partnerships which yeah. succeed in india we still have this ego and we have this what will i get it's a very selfish sort of way of thinking mcdonalds coke unbreakable partnership for years and years and it'll be 50 years and 100 years and they keep feeding off each other to scale and you will see that across the board tire manufacturers with tire guys online companies i i don't know if that was true but i remember there was uh, baskin robbins and dunkin donuts two different companies but all baskin robbins ice creams get served at dunkin donuts and then they created recipes around it and both succeeded so i think you need to do a lot more collaborations partnerships and over a period of time so i came from a fairly middle class background but privileged if you were to say that uh, because i had the best of the best in terms of education curriculum all of that and uh, uh, and and i was born and raised in bombay but look i have traveled the length and breadth of india i celebrate and enjoy every city every aspect i respect um uh, dignity of labor and people for what they are and what they do and we constantly raise the bar for people within the organization so to give you an example and i think people should understand that the entire warehousing head of the company today is a guy called sanjay silval who used to be an office boy in the company about 8 years ago his brother works in a customer care center we do more than 5000 events a week and for 500 of those events there are handle scanners pharmaco devices there's uh, there's uh, there's uh, 
uh, optic fiber cables, there's uh, infra uh, satellite uh, that we need to put up, links we have to do with security cameras, there's stubards, there's things, there's a whole load of infrastructure with inventory management that needs to rotate around the country. And the guy that runs that used to be an office boy. We trained and eventually he's the one who leads this entire strategy under our ops team. And he runs a team of about 13 people and he built with external help an entire inventory management system. And nothing has gone wrong in all these years. So this is just one story, which I can tell you, but we have tons of stories where we have uh, upskilling and cross skilling, which we do in the company constantly. And we train our eyes. So we have a voluntary fund in the company for uh, our office boys and boys whose kids education is funded for life by us. And it's a voluntary fund and three people manage that. And even if they quit our organization, we continue to fund the kids education because our journey or our responsibility doesn't stop on the basis of their employment with us. Yeah. And then we have medical for everybody. We have uh, insurance for everybody. There's no copay. We pay for everybody's medical for yourself, your spouse, your kids and your parents. So sideways down and up. And these are just things that I feel if you do, you can put your pillow on your head in the night and sleep well. And your byproduct is your valuation, the money, uh, and, and also delinking your shareholding from your uh, executive role. Very important to delink the two. A lot of founders make this mistake where they don't take a market salary or a good enough salary home, a CTC, because they're like, this is my business on, on the flip side. Like, although there are many entrepreneurs who are like, how much money can I make quickly and I get out? But there are a lot of company um, entrepreneurs who put their heart and soul, blood, sweat and tears. And they translate that into saying, that I will take a 10,000 rupee salary home because this is my business and I will get an exit or I will make money when, when the company shares go up. It's a wrong strategy. Your personal wealth and your company wealth have to be dealing. And what you need to do is to make sure that your executive role and your ownership need to be dealing. The day you do that, you will start fortifying yourself to say that when things like that happen in a times like these, you have to make sure that your family and your capital that you build for yourself and the capital that you build for the company are two separate buckets. And what you do for community and charity is a third separate bucket. And until you don't compartmentalize that and you learn to treat these three separately. So today, while we may be cutting costs on a lot of other areas, we have opened up upper strings and doing crores of charity, crores through our charity, but they are two separate buckets. I don't know how to mix the two. Yeah. You know, I'm learning so much. I'm sure everyone watching this and will watch this will learn uh, so much. Ashish, you know, I have to say, sorry, I'm just taking this time. Like I have to tell everyone that, you know, I had met you a year and a half or two back. Uh, uh, we met at this some festival, but then I had met you and I was telling you about something in Book My Show app. And what I remember very distinctly that you had this childlike enthusiasm and curiosity to solve it. And you found someone from your team within an hour and oh see and you know but you, you know you see with time people uh, you know delegate it and, and 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 but what always stands out about you is this this is this enthusiasm this passion this drive and and it's 20 years and and i have to ask you and that's why i'm asking you what is that drive where does it come from because log bahut hain thak gaye hain bahut tired ho gaye hain bahut mehnat hai but wo abhi bhi hai Look, it's, I think it's uh, self-development and um, 
self-learning, which is very important. And it's about the joy and the effort. Many people will tell you, uh, 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 no pain, no gain. When you go to the gym, your gym instructor tells you that. You want to look good, but if you don't want to work out, you don't want to exercise to be able to stay fit, stay healthy, it's not going to happen by magic. And the same is in your own personality development, whether it's spiritually. I'm not a very religious person. I go, don't go to the temple. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm a non-believer. But to be able to, uh, you know, self-develop in terms of knowing what are the right things to do in life or the right principles of living, that only comes from maybe a practice like Vedanta or anything else, right, that people want to pursue. So it's about self-development pers- personally. It's about self-development from, from a physical perspective. I'm 46 today. I'm not getting younger. How do you stay fit? Um, how do you uh, stay mentally balanced by the people that surround you surround yourself with people that keep you happy, who are not negative friendships that you develop because you have a choice. Um, how do you keep yourself engaged on learning new things um, and, and staying true to what excites you? What still excites me is, is, is trying to solve a consumer problem. It excites me to know that you are satisfying somebody at the end of the day. When I cook a meal or if I'm baking bread, I like the reaction of saying, how was it? And then being ultra self-critical to say the spring in the bread wasn't good enough or it was raw or I didn't add enough soured, uh, enough, uh, uh, you know, uh, starter or my levain was not correct or the instrument that I use. So in whatever you do, the passion is about how can you self-improve on a daily basis? How can you say that your Monday mornings were as exciting as your Friday evenings? I like going out and having a drink with friends on a Friday evening and taking my time off and completely cutting off sailing, uh, going out with people, having a good time on a weekend and not thinking about work at all. But that, en- that enthusiasm excites me to come back on a Sunday evening. I'm not thinking, oh my God, it's Monday morning blues. Sunday evening, I'm excited about, I'm always making a to-do list old school in my diary on saying, here are the things that I want to do for this week. And then the product has always been a core area of excitement for me because that's your final mile. I don't control the movie. I don't produce a movie. I don't own the cinema. I don't own anything. All I own is the consumer experience. And if anything that comes in the middle of the consumer experience, if I'm not on top of that, and if it doesn't excite me, somebody writes to me and says, hey, listen, this is breaking because of this. And I see logic in that. I will move heaven and earth with the product teams and the design teams and the technology teams to be able to solve that. And we did certain things which were very one-on-one principles from day one. Everybody got excited about F-Connect and Google Connect and all of that. And you created friction. Book My Show never asked you to do that from day one because we knew we're a platform, we're open. Where a coffee shop comes, sit like Starbucks, you know, enjoy the Wi-Fi, enjoy the air conditioning work. But if you want to have a cup of coffee, please have one. And then you pay for it. So we created a frictionless platform. And only on the payment page, we take your email ID and mobile number at the time you're making a payment so that we can serve you a ticket. But until then, we never asked you for anything. Yeah. But that doesn't mean we don't have your data to be able to then utilize it in ways which we can be helpful. So it's about those things about you pick your passion projects and then pursue those and then surround yourselves with people who can do the rest of the heavy lifting. And it's very important to have a great team around. And I think a large part of the folks at Big My Show don't get the credit because unfortunately, when you're a founder, and you started a business. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you do is you're always in, in, in public, in, in, in the public eye. I try and stay away as much. I do have an Instagram account, but I've maybe posted five times in my life. I have a Twitter account, maybe thrice I've tweeted. So it's not that I'm very, I, I don't have a Facebook account. So I, I'm not a very out there sort of person, but my job requires me to do things like these when 
uh, when you call, I can't say no. So I've got to do this. But the point is, there are amazing folks at Book My Show who do a lot of heavy lifting and the thought process around launching new products. And so it becomes your job to be that people's person to be able to recruit the talent, curate, mentor, upskill, uh, and do those things. So right now in this COVID period, we are running so many programs. We've signed up for so many programs where we've said we've paid for it. Go and upskill. Come out of come out of this a better, a more uh, enlightened human being. Uh, because you do have time at this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you had to say next twelve to eighteen months, uh, how would it pan out, and what advice would you give to people who are in the digital space? Look, I think there is a um, tremendous amount of tailwinds. The tailwinds are phenomenal. A, you've got, and and the way I look at it, if I were to broad spectrum it out, I am saying today everybody has time. Mm. They're just sitting. Mm. They've got devices. Mm. Your you have to understand and and you have got to put it into perspective when you look at PPP and you look at purchasing power in India, your driver or your watchman may have a better phone than you and me because that phone he puts a disproportionate amount of his salary where he may take a phone he may take it on loan will borrow from you and pay it over twelve to twenty four months but it will be the best phone that he has because his window to the world his transaction his banking. His e-commerce, his uh, TV, his music, his cinema is on that device. Yeah. You may have three TVs at home. You may have access to a cinema. You may have access to many other things. But for him, that is his life, right? That's his business. Tomorrow, uh, maids find jobs through a mobile phone. Somebody says, "Get out!" They'll send ten of their friends. They'll get a job tomorrow, which is phenomenal. They've removed the information arbitrage away, and uh, and there's democracy in information. So there are tailwinds. and i think i must mention geo was doing some phenomenal work with a number of it's just been revolutionary right their their data pipe as well as the number of uh, uh, subscriptions and at the price point so that's helping the other i think the biggest revolution that has been in the in 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 the world i think has been our upi platform the united payments interface man other countries are waking up to this because they have been sitting on old clunky crappy modes of technology and payment still using a card and tapping you're still you know doing bank transfers upi just revolutionized it said listen this is the bips i'm removing all costs you have a bank account that guy has a bank account you have a payment you have a number there is a uh, scanner and a barcode i mean just look what it's done and and put everybody at par you can hook up to upi and do what you want and i think given the tailwinds that people are sitting at home you have a device you have cheap data and connectivity and you have a payments mechanism what is going to come out of it is going to be short of revolutionary and what i mean by that is not about businesses like ours and the folks that are listening but it's going to be livelihood it's going to be today just think about it drivers used to get paid and were over exploited with salaries of 5000 and 7000 rupees 4 years ago or 5 years ago today you cannot retain a driver at 20 25000 i'm so glad that 5x has been the increase in salary purely because he has information at the tip of his hand he can either go on to ola and uber and become a driver and earn more and be an entrepreneur or if you tell him i'm paying you so much he can check with 20 of his friends and saying what are you getting paid <laughs> and so a guy in indore in jaipur who's trying to exploit a driver there and pay him 10 grand he can check with his friend in bombay and saying listen i'm getting 20 so you know that information arbitrage has been removed and therefore it's improving livelihood and lives of people and i think at scale where farmers are now being able to disrupt and saying the middleman and the dis- the distributor needs to be removed 
can i get my goods through a cold chain and and a distribution chain i think that in itself given this is going to completely revolutionize things that a way of working and things that are going to happen in india i'm seeing it with elderly parents who are 70 70 plus are now knowing how know how to do video calls and talk to their kids uh, younger kids are doing homeschooling at the age of 5 and 7 and schools have adapted to that yeah. so i look at the edge cases in the spectrum where people are now adopting technology and that means that that quantum and the number of people that are going to come onto this fold is going to be phenomenal now how do you take advantage of that what do you do will be based on every entrepreneur's self journey yeah yeah uh, ashish i said that was the last question but i have to ask you the what drives you how can we be like you like running a business for 20 years and have the same kind of energy and passion and be like no i'm genuinely asking this is like a very honest question give us a real answer how matlab 20 saal tak kar kar ke kar kar ke aur aise kaise but i don't but look i don't look at it like that right and i look at the journey itself was it and i'm being a little philosophical here i look at the journey itself was it fun was i at the right time at the right place sure have i met some incredible people along the way uh including you have i have i been fortunate enough to get a payback through this exp- all these experiences and if you look at and remind yourself every day about that i mean why would i want to change anything that my life so if somebody says what's your bucket list i'm saying i'm living it right yeah. why would i change this do i get do i take four or five vacations am i fortunate do i have enough uh and 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 what do you need enough for right and anything external the joy of um the 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 it's a diminishing joy of return you buy a car today you buy a bigger one you buy a bigger one your first car that you bought which was there it gave you joy for maybe 6 months because it was the first thing that you bought after 20 years you bought your probably your 20th car in one week it's just another mode of transport however sexy and good and great that car is however expensive it is so anything external will never give you that joy because it's always going to be i still have a 9 year old beat up yeti uh, 4x4 stick shift car i still retain i have other cars obviously but that's the car that gives me my greatest joy because it's got tremendous power it's got all the things that i need i like going off roading i like going to my farm it gives me great joy even today so you've got to be able to find things in that journey which which give you that pleasure on waking up every day and saying would i change any of this the day your equation of monday morning the metric of monday morning versus friday evening changes then stop doing one of the two so if your friday evenings are are a chore and you look and you don't look forward to your weekends then you're not doing the right thing on the weekends you're not meeting the right people you don't have the right friends you have an issue with your family change what you need to and if your monday mornings are a chore then your work is not good enough so change that So I mean, those are the only two metrics of your your measures of Friday morning, a uh, Friday evening versus Monday morning. Wow, <laughs> wow! What a pleasure! Huge respect, big fan. Thank you so much. Thanks a Thank lot. Thank you. Thanks. Lovely talking to you. Bye.